0: This is Behold, a VBC podcast. Our goal is to examine biblical truth that will better equip you to behold the glory of the Lord more fully in your daily life. Without further ado, here is the Behold podcast. Well, hello there, listener, beholder, person who checks out the podcast, however you identify. Welcome. We're glad that you have joined us this week on the Behold podcast. Now, today it is myself, Sean, my best best friend, Dan, and this is always exciting when we get to say this, the one and the only Mr. Sun Man himself, David. What yeah. is up? <laughs> Woo. Always good uh, to be here. So I know that you guys listening can't uh, see him, like we can see him on Zoom right now, but I'll just depict the scene for you. He's in a blue room with a white ceiling. He's got a black t-shirt on with a denim jacket and he's just looking so fresh.
1: He's got Uh, got a jawline that is carved out of marble. I don't think I've ever muscles are bulging through. I
0: don't think I've ever seen him have like a bad hair day in his life.
1: He's a handsome dude. Handsome
0: handsome dude. Handsome dude. Behold David Simon, everybody. Okay, anyways. (laughs) David. Uh, You know, for those of you that don't know, he's up in Portland working with City Team doing amazing work up there. So, Why don't you give us just a little update on what that has been like recently and any uh, exciting upcoming changes to that?
2: Yeah, well, thank you, guys. It's always such a blessing to be here. You're too kind to me. Um, Things have been going well in Portland. Obviously, everything is still kind of on hold or just not the way that... You know, we would hope it would be because of COVID. And so I'm just kind of having to be patient because there's a lot of stuff that I want to do that just, you know, we have to (laughs) wait until things kind of open back up. But they've been going well enough that uh, this week I was officially offered to become executive director, whereas before I was uh, interim but, uh, but this week I accepted, it, uh, uh, an offer to become executive director of city team Portland, which is uh, exciting, but also sad wow. because it means that I will not be coming back to live in the Bay area anytime soon, but, uh, but just definitely a blessing from God. And just, I think confirmation that it was, uh, a good move to make and that it was clearly the Lord who had guided it.
1: Wow. Congratulations, dude. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thanks. We're uh, we're bummed, you know, but we're also really, really see it as just uh, God's grace. Yeah, like you said, and, and and we're trusting Him to use you up there, and and we love that we still get to stay stay connected with you, and uh, and potentially we're gonna be seeing you real soon, right? So we'll just leave it at that. We'll just kind of give leave, yes. you know leave people with a little teaser. Um and then also, hey, make sure you guys uh you know keep tuning into the podcast because next time we have David Summon on, we're gonna get an update on his love life, right? You're gonna some big Ooh. things Ooh. brewing. Some big oh, things brewing gosh. in that arena as well. So we'll oh, see boy. What happens there. Yeah. Um well it's great. Great you know, we're gonna have a, a great conversation with you today, David. And um for those of you guys that have been tracking along with this new sermon series that we're doing, um we're going through uh, this thing called Who We Are, a VBC journey, and it's basically just centered around getting everyone on the same page, just with uh, Orthodox Christianity. You know, what what do we believe to be true as core essential doctrines that have been that taught by Jesus and um, passed on down the generations through the apostles? And I'm so blessed that we have, um, you know, this written word, uh, which is what we're going to be talking about today. But Last week, we, we talked about just how uh, who God is, right, and how we can be confident um, in our faith in Him and how He can um, make a difference in our, in our lives. And, and I thought this last week was such a cool way, um, for those of you that, that tuned into our, our online service or who were in the parking lot with us at the Crossing Campus, we got to actually witness two baptisms, and we got to, we got to hear stories from, from two ladies who— have encountered this God that we uh talked about last week and um just shared an amazing testimonies and, and we got to we got to worship alongside them as they were baptized and um it was just a powerful moment. If you didn't get a chance to watch it go back and watch it. Uh it was it was powerful. But I thought we could start today's podcast off just by maybe just affirming those ladies a little bit and just sharing how we were encouraged by what they shared. So you guys want to share just kind of as as you heard their stories like how did it how did it resonate with you guys?
0: Yeah, you know, I one thing I love about watching baptisms happen, especially within our own church family, but really universally, is they it's like this weird dichotomy where they're all so wonderfully unique. You know, God's sacred history with that person is so unique and just so awesome hearing that. But at the same time, they're all so wonderfully unified you know, you always have this same story of, and this is the story for all humanity. And we know this, that we were apart from God and then we were with God and just that that will never get old. You know, it's never going to stop being such a beautiful story to hear. But yeah, absolutely. With, with Kristen and with uh, Dina, it was the same story. And it's funny because they're such different people. So what their testimonies looked like were so different but the same thing, you just I, I appreciated it and was encouraged by just this sense of, man, I'm looking for God. Like something has happened in my life. I'm recognizing the hole that's left here and looking for God. You know, with Christina, I loved like the her looking around and, and looking for signs from God and and feeling like, oh man, God is speaking to me right now. And actually I think that really ties in well with today's conversation because God has spoken to us and it's such a wonderful source of that. But anyways, we'll get to that in a little bit. But that's one thing I really appreciated. It's just that you know, that identifiable, that unifying search for what we all know is the ultimate remedy, which is
1: Jesus. Yeah. I love that. And and that was one of the things that, sorry, who, who was the first lady that shared Christine? Christine. Yeah. Yeah. So I loved how, you um, know, just so cool how, how God um, spoke to her um, in a way that she could really, you know, perceive and understand. Um, and, and I think, a lot of us have had those kinds of experiences in coming to faith in God. He, I've heard it said before that He speaks the secret language of our hearts. That He knows how to to cut through all of the, the stuff that's happening in life and just get right into the core in it. And it kind of reminded me just of um, God, you know, God revealing Himself to Elijah. You know, Elijah was was, uh, was up in the mountains and he was kind of on the run and and there was this you know, you guys remember the story? There's a big, massive wind, but but the Lord was not in the wind. And there was this big earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And then a fire, and the same deal, he wasn't there. But but then what happened? There was this still, small voice, and, and the Lord was in that. And Elijah heard it, and, and he was able to perceive and hear from God. And um, and I just think we all have stories like that, and I think it's pretty, pretty amazing how God, um, you know, reaches out to us in that way. What about you,
2: David? Yeah, I I agree with everything you guys have just said. And something that I I thought was also just a common thread for both of them and something that just affirms God's promise that for those who seek, they will find him. If you're truly seeking the truth, then you will find Jesus at the end of that search. Because, you know, like Dina mentioned that she was investigating all these other faiths and philosophies and all these different things and like many people who have done that when they discover Jesus they find this is it this, this is, is
1: this it. is yeah. this is
2: really it you know and all these other things they might have little bits uh, of things that might you know i you know people identify with or they're you know they jive with but when you find Jesus and you see the fullness of truth in him then you you can't go anywhere else you realize this is it and you know dina is someone who i know personally because i'm really close with the Wong family. Um, Her daughter, Susan, uh, who is married to Jason, uh, you know, I consider Jason like a spiritual father, you know, because uh, my own uh, biological father is not a believer. And Jason has been someone who has treated me like a son and who I've learned so much from. And so I know a little bit about the ways that uh, he and Susan have uh, reached out to, to Dina to try to include her into the fellowship at VBC. And something that I think is really cool and speaks to the, the loving community that uh, is present at VBC at is that she actually lived down in uh, Southern California and she would come up, you know, periodically they would go to visit her. And, you know, as she grew in her faith, they actually offered her to move up to Pleasanton and when she was going to move to Pleasanton, she was telling like some of her other family and friends and things down in Southern California, hey, I'm going to be moving up there. And they were like, what? Why would you do that? And she was like, Valley Bible Church is my new family. I want to be with them.
0: Wow.
2: And that, that's pretty amazing to, to be able to say that this is a, a church community that welcomes people in that way that they would really feel this is my new family. I want to be close to them.
1: That's amazing yeah it yeah it kind of makes me think too of like you know like you were saying that if 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 there is someone anywhere who who is seeking uh the truth and they're they're seeking to know this god that they that they have that um that spark or that stirring or that understanding like that we talked about last week from Romans one that there is the god right that that they observe what's in creation and they they know there's a God, and they're looking for that God. Um, if that person exists, God will send someone to that person, you know, or a group of someone, a community, a faith family, whatever, to get them the gospel. You know, it makes me think of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch from Acts chapter eight. You know, there's this there's this guy who's on the road. He's 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 reading, um, you know, Old Testament prophecy. And he has no clue what, who it's referring to or what it's about. And the Holy Spirit brings Philip, I mean, miraculously, bam, right there, meets him on the road. He tells him about Jesus. And, and this this uh, Ethiopian guy um, puts his faith in Christ. They baptize him right there and bada bing, bada boom. So I just think uh, I think it, it's very, very cool to see how that happens kind of in our modern day world as well.
0: Yeah, I think it's a great just tie in because like you said, if someone has that spark, then God will make himself known to that person. He will speak to them. And it's interesting because sometimes people have experiences and where they, they have that spark, they're looking for God. And then like Christine, they, they feel like there's really tangible ways where God spoke through a dream or through a sign or whatever it is. But then for a lot of other people, God speaks to a different way, which is actually how he spoken to all of us, right? And that's through his word. And that's that's what we're going to talk about, talk about today is the fact that God's word in 2 Timothy 3, it says it is breathed out by God, is inspired by God. And so a lot of times when we're looking for those things, and I wouldn't even say most of the time, but all the time, that there's a place in God's word to, to answer whatever that thing is. And so maybe just to get us started, um, right off the bat, you know, last week we talked about the fact that God exists. So what do you guys think about God's word, about scripture, about the Bible? Like, how do we know, what does that mean that the Bible is true, that it's real, all those good things? What do you guys think?
2: Well, you know, I think Gary uh, did well in in saying, hey, we're not here to talk about uh, specifically the reasons why, um, you know, logically we can believe that this is True, but he was focusing specifically on what does the Bible say about itself? And that's that letting that be our starting place because that's so important that we wouldn't say things about the Bible that the Bible doesn't claim about itself. But beyond that, I think what's so great about Scripture, you know, when I first became a believer, when I was kind of first, you know, learning about Christianity, I had this idea in my mind that if I really investigated the claims of Scripture, the authenticity of the Bible, that the more that I investigate, the more I would find reasons not to believe that it's true. You know, that all I'll I'll discover, you know, what's really going on, that it's you know, it's some great stories, but it's it's really not true in, in a real in a real sense. But it's actually the opposite. The more that I investigated it, and you know, was totally waiting to find any reason not to believe that it's true. You can't, I, I didn't find any. In fact, you just further, further confirmed that this is actually the word of God. And I think a lot of people maybe on the outside might have this sense of, you know, you have faith, but that's not tied to a sense of logical belief that logically this makes sense, but it's, but it, that's not true. Those things are not disconnected. And so, you know, the investigation of the claims of scripture will prove that it is in fact authentic.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And Gary, Gary did a great job with that, you know, and, and he even explained, um, how it's not circular reasoning to, to to take that approach with people, you know, to say that um, you know, we're 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 not necessarily proving the Bible with the Bible. You know, all all we're all we're talking about is making sure we have a, a clear understanding of uh what the what the Bible claims to be. And pretty pretty cool. And God didn't even have to do this, but but he gives us a little peek into, uh, as Gary said, how he superintended the whole process, right? And I think that's a real, a real faith builder, is, is for us to see, for for God to give us a little, a little window into how he, um, he used the the authors, you know, um, and how we can even see their their intents and their their intellect being uh, involved in the process, but the Holy Spirit is superintending this whole deal and. And I think that that's a very powerful thing to to look at and, and to hear from Gary, and and it's interesting because we we don't always have time on Sunday morning to get into to all the different particulars and the the corollary issues that we would want to talk about when we're talking about the Word of God, uh, the written Word of God, but that's why we have a podcast, right? <laughs> so um so maybe I think it'd be cool, like if for us to maybe spend some time t- today, just talking about the the reliability of the written word of God like how how can we know um, even like zooming out a little bit like just from looking at things rationally logically um, how can we have confidence in, that that the 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 word of God has is is uh, is not corrupted is is you know reliable it's we can trust the veracity of it so do you guys want to maybe just have a conversation about that a little bit do you think that would help be helpful for people
0: yeah. So I think one thing, like one logical question, which, you know, David, you mentioned before the podcast that for a lot of people, they, ha- they have to, to marry these two things of like logical thought process and then heart and emotion and how that, how that ties together. So coming out last week, we did that with the fact that God exists, right? So if we're just thinking through an unbeliever, someone who doesn't know Jesus, and they had that spark, that moment, and they now understand, oh man, God is real. But then what's the next thought process? You know which God is real, which holy text is real, and so maybe it'd be good for us to talk about why Scripture stands apart from from all the other ones. You know why the Bible is not just a word of God, but the only word of God. What do you guys think?
2: Absolutely, and I think that you know there are so many reasons why we can believe that to be the case. You know, there's there's so much evidence, and and I think that. Uh, you know, something that is always great to come back to because it's it's simple and, and easy to follow is the MAPS acronym. And so maybe we can just walk through a couple of those uh, different pieces. And uh, you know, I can just start with the first one. So uh, the MAPS acronym, M-A-P-S, starts with manuscripts. And so when we think about, uh, you know, documents of antiquity, you know, from the times before we had, you know, printing presses and, and things were, you know, readily available or even on the there Internet. Was no you know, internet. Know there, was, yeah. there was no Internet. There was no Internet, which I think, I think we failed to uh, acknowledge how amazing it is that we have the whole of human literature is available in our pockets now. But that was not the case 2,000 years ago. Um, and so in thinking about manuscripts, uh, I think the first thing that really strikes me is the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls. That, you know, even just within the past century, there was this amazing discovery of these manuscripts uh, dating from thousands and thousands of years ago of the Old Testament. That mo- Most of the Old Testament was, was found in the Dead Sea Scrolls, right? And, you know, a lot of people have thought, well, you know, these things that were written so long ago, probably over time, it's like this long game of telephone. It's probably all different now than what it originally was. Mm-hmm. But what they found was that these manuscripts were nearly identical to what we hold in our hands and pockets today. So we can see that, and this is pretty incredible, I don't know if this could be said of any other uh, you know, document that, that it held true— and any, they, they did find, you know, some very minor changes that, that had been made that were really just like punctuation. But any of the yeah, they're, actual they're, they're theological textual
1: variations, right? They're, they're, yes. they're just, you know, little things that don't change the meaning of exactly. a particular passage. And, and actually, the fact that there are textual variants is actually more evidence that they're, they're actually reliable copies. And the, because if they were exactly, exactly, exactly perfect, then there would be reason to, to be skeptical that, that they actually, the dating on these manuscripts is not act, accurate. accurate, And maybe they just got hundreds of people together in one room and copied it like over the course of a week or something, right? The, the fact that they're spread out, you know, throughout time um, in history, right. <clears throat> you would expect there to be textual variants. But the, the changes are so insignificant they don't actually um, affect the or impact the meaning of the, the writings. And i mean to cut you off here.
2: Sorry. No, 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 that's great. Thank you for adding that. Uh, and I think, you know, your point shows two things. One, we can trust that it is, uh, you know, it has been guided by the Holy Spirit so that the meaning uh, of what it says is intact, but it also shows the human nature. And both of those things are so important. You know, just like with Jesus, he's fully God, fully man. Uh, the Bible is is fully God and and fully man, and that God guided the entire process, but He used human authors uh, through throughout it.
1: Yeah, and then the the same the same is true about New, New Testament manuscripts. And I think the thing that is pretty amazing about the the people that that wrote down uh, the documented Jesus's life in the Gospels and the apostles that that passed on His teachings you know, in the New Testament so that we can have them today, uh, the, these, these documents were created and circulated uh, at, by people who were eyewitnesses. And, it, and it, so it was done in a, in, in a, life, in a lifetime, right? So if, if, if you know, um, Peter or John or James or, or Paul, if they were making these, these writings and, and distributing them uh, about events that had happened— there were people around who uh, would have been able to say, actually, that's not how it happened, right? <laughs> there, right. Were, there, there would have been people to, to refute what they had been writing about. And again, you, you see, I mean, not just a few of these manuscripts. I mean, we're talking about thousands of credible, um, you know, manuscripts that, that there's an incredible amount of uh, harmony. You know, uh, these things have been passed around, Um within, you know, a, a, a relatively short period of time, about 60 years after, you know, the death of Jesus, you have these New Testament um, authors writing what they've been writing. And, um, and then, you know, you look at someone like, like Luke, who, uh, who in Acts, you know, talked about carefully investigating everything, you know, from, from a, almost like a, a, you know, a critical thinking, almost like a skeptical kind of thing is like, he looked at all of this external evidence and he concluded that it was, it was accurate. Um, and so anyway, I think, I think when you compare the manuscripts of the Old and New Testaments, how many we have, the incredible harmony that there is, um, the amount of people that were involved, um, it, it doesn't even compare to any other ancient texts. Um, not any religious texts or philosophical texts, um, you know, I always think it's interesting too. Like, you know, how many, uh, how many like manuscripts do we have of the Constitution, you know, or or the Bill of Rights, you know? Like, uh, have any of us ever seen an original copy of of those documents? Have you guys ever seen one, an original one? I, mean, I have, but I'm a bad example. Okay, I okay. haven't. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, so, but yet we, you know, we we believe. That, that those things. I mean, obviously, we're talking about a shorter period of time, but but I think I think when it when you look at the manuscripts that uh, are in the old and, that we have of the Old and New Testament, it doesn't compare to any other document in human history, not even close.
0: Amen. So so that's the M. So overwhelmingly, we have manuscriptual evidence for the Bible, like Dan said, that just pales in comparison to anything else, religious or or non-religious. But then that's talking about the things we have found that support the Bible, but then let's move to the a in the maps analogy. So Dan, why don't you explain counter to that, what the a means in maps?
1: Yeah. So it has to do uh, with archeology span and, um, there, you know, this is, this is something you can, you can do tons of research on, on the internet, but there has never been, um, an archeological discovery that has, uh, Proven the the Bible, or that has refuted something that was written about in, in scripture, um, and in fact, the opposite is true. That um, there there's there's a lot um, of evidence that has been discovered from an archaeological standpoint that actually lines up with the historical timeline of uh, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And, um, and I'll just ask you guys: like, do you think if if there was like an archaeological discovery? That was found, like, let's say somebody found uh, the tomb of Jesus and there was a uh, skeletal remains in there, you know, or, or something huge like that. I mean, don't, don't you think that would be worldwide front page news and everybody would know about it, you know? Um, so I think there's, there's a lot of uh, archaeological evidence that supports that the Bible is a, is a, is a reliable historical document.
0: Yeah. And like you said earlier, Dan, that not only is there evidence that supports it, but there has been yet to be anything that refutes the the authenticity and the reliability of those manuscripts we, we've we discovered already. So then that takes us to the P in the maps analogy, which is for prophecy. Now, if you're unfamiliar with the Bible and you're unfamiliar with how it's structured, you know, we've been talking about it today, but there's Old Testament, New Testament. And like David said a minute ago, there's all these accounts in the old Testament where people were spoken th- where God spoke to us through people, you know, we call them the prophets and these are people talking about what's going to happen. They're making prophecies about the coming of this Messiah the coming of Jesus. And then there's this gap where people stopped making prophecies and it's roughly 400 years, something like that between the old Testament from Malachi to the appearance of John the Baptist and thus begins the new Testament and the ministry of Jesus and all those things. And so when we talk about prophecies, we're talking about the prophecies made in the old Testament about the person of Jesus and the events that would occur in the new Testament. And, you know, if you ask the question, how many of prophecies were answered, it kind of varies depending on the scholar, or the theologian and whatnot, but three to 400 references to the coming of Jesus that were not just made, but were fulfilled where something specific was said about Jesus and that exact thing then happened. And that's incredible. And it's, it's a huge piece of, as Christians, why we can believe that Jesus is Jesus, that he's Messiah, that he's God. Because again, like David started us off with, there's no other person like this. There's no other human in history who claimed to be God and then had hundreds of prophecies made about him fulfilled in his time on earth. So again, similar to the manuscript thing, there's just nothing like it. And that takes us to the S, which really ties in well with the P and that stands for statistics. And just going back to that number of three to 400 prophecies about really, some of them are huge things that are big, bold things. And some of them are just such minute details about the circumstances of Jesus' birth. And so people have tried to run the numbers and figure out what it would be like, but basically the S means that statistically it is in Fathomable that this could have been coincidental. All these situations happening and the the fulfillment of these prophecies, like there is no situation in the universe, given infinite amount of time, where statistically this could have been been an accident. If that makes sense.
1: P or S? Anything to add? Totally. And 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 some of the things you know you mentioned about his birth, but but just about his life and his death and. And, and all that stuff there there's certain things that it would be impossible for Jesus to uh, or or his followers or or some religious sect or whatever to to orchestrate these things there they you know like for instance Jesus' heritage right de- the fact that he's a descendant of Abraham Isaac and Jacob um and he come you know that, that he comes from the line of David like how could you how could you plan that <laughs> you know like you're talking about thousands and thousands of years and generations and generations of people um and and this this baby is born in uh, you know and he's he's the exact lineage that is described in scripture right that is foretold in scripture um his his birth in bethlehem i mean uh, pretty sure babies aren't aren't uh, able to control those those circumstances right <laughs> um you know just certain details about his crucifixion and and how how he would be wounded and The soldiers gambling for his clothes. I mean, he's hanging on a cross. He what is he yelling down to those guys? Hey, uh, there's this prophecy about, uh, you know, can you guys do it? You know what I'm saying? Like it's just it it is it is completely absurd to think that there's any possible way that this could be manipulated or or orchestrated other than um, just a supernatural uh, plan, uh, you know, from the beginning of the ages from from God the Father. So uh, I think it's huge huge supporter um you know just in in this whole
0: deal yeah it's really important i think such a standout thing like again talking about other religions and other religious quote-unquote leaders look at someone like joseph smith you know he said he was god he said he had all these things happen he would say over the course of years god revealed himself through him and performed miracles and yada yada but that alone is such a huge hole in in why they're different is because there is no prophecies leading up to joseph smith You know, he can't, he can't claim to have the authority of God because of that, which again, these prophecies, these prophecies aren't just Jesus's followers saying, Hey, you know what? Actually, someone said this, uh, 200 years ago, just believe us. No, again, thousands of manuscripts of the old Testament that have been passed on for generations and generations. So it's not like someone just made up these prophecies and then said, you know what? This is, this is Jesus. Trust me, David, you're going to say something.
2: I was just going to say that Jesus knew that, too. Uh, he, when, when people asked him who he was, you think of John the Baptist when he was in jail and he sent his, his buddies to go ask Jesus, are you the one that we've been waiting for? And what did Jesus do? He quoted back a prophecy from Isaiah about himself, that this is what mm-hmm. it's going to look like when the Messiah comes. And, it, and so he, that was the way that he showed people that he was who he said he was. Look at all the things that were said about the Messiah. Now you, now you answer that for yourself. Who do you think I am, right? Yeah. When he was being yeah. accused by, uh, you know, by the, the teachers and the Pharisees in the Sanhedrin before he was crucified, you know, he invited them to say who they thought he was. You know, wow. that's who you say I am, right? Because they knew the yeah. word better than anybody. And you guys, you guys understand this. And it's so stark you know, I heard someone say before, I don't remember who it was. He said, I don't have enough faith not to believe, right? <laughs> and it's such a cool thing. It's such a cool thing when you see there's, there's been so many people who they investigate with the attempt of disproving all these things. And yet, as they investigate, they, they end up getting converted. You think of someone like Jay Warner Wallace, who, you know, who was uh, a skeptic and a non-believer, who, who was a, a cold case detective, who said, I'm going to apply all of my best techniques as a detective to the authority of scripture, specifically the resurrection. And, and what he found was that he had no other choice, but to believe because all the things that he used to investigate further proved that it was true.
0: He got got. Yep.
1: That's awesome. Same same thing with uh, Lee Strobel, right? Case for Christ. Same, same kind of story. I mean, there's probably, you know, like an endless supply of people that have had that kind of experience.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's a great point, Dan, because ultimately to some degree or the other, I think all of us have. All of us who are now walking in step with Christ have encountered him and and had somewhat of, maybe we weren't investigators before or detectives or whatever it is. Um, but yeah, I think that's, again, kind of like the baptism thing. It's like a, the great unifier is is Christ's welcome to all. And I mean, even thinking about other people, back it up, one of the OGs as far as an example of this is Paul. Right, his ministry on earth and his conversion and how that all looked like, you know, like there's there's two articles that we'll link uh, in the show notes along with the maps analogy or sorry, maps acronym, and one of them is John Piper. It's a sermon from him and him talking about why he trusts the Bible and a huge piece of it that he goes to and I was actually surprised by how long he spent on it was Paul and Paul's ministry, and he's like if you look at Paul's life and the authority he had and just the the skill set that he had and just his status and the The mind that he had, the head on his shoulders, and then what happened to him with with his conversion, and then then his ministry for Jesus. like even that, like of course, Jesus is who we're putting our trust in, but even just looking at Paul, like it's insane to think that someone that this could have happened and had it not been authentic. He's like they just it cannot compute. So I'll link that sermon in the show notes and if you want to give more listening later, uh, be our guest, which I think takes us to a great segue. So we talked about a lot about the authenticity of scripture, but kind of the cornerstone and literally the cornerstone in scripture of why we trust the Bible, what we do with it, all comes down to Jesus, right? We call ourselves Christians because of Christ. And so when we're thinking about the Bible versus other texts, you know, we touched on it a little bit, David, you mentioned earlier, but how does Jesus really set that apart? You know, aside from just the fact that he is authentic based on prophecy and based on that being fulfilled, like how does Jesus set the Bible in our lives apart from everything else?
2: I think one thing that stands out to me about the Bible is that every character that's included in the Bible, every person who who walked this earth, uh who whose story is is mentioned in the Bible, uh the Bible does well to tarnish their character in some way except for <laughs> Jesus. Right? Okay. He's the only one. And you know, even when you know, Jesus was being accused, they couldn't find anybody who could actually bring a valid accusation against him. They just had to make stuff up because <laughs> this guy walked this earth and there's no other person that, that could ever have walked this earth that you wouldn't be able to find something that you could say about them. Well, I know that this person did this. I know this person did this. But his family, the people who walked alongside him, no one had any reason to believe that he had ever sinned. And so that combined with the things that they saw him do, performing miracles. Uh, he had control over nature and over the spiritual realm. Um, he said that he could forgive sins. He told parables where he described himself. He taught himself, with
1: authority, right? Or yes. He, taught, he yes. taught with authority that no one had ever heard anyone talk, like he no. like he, or te- teach the way he taught. And then what are going to say about parables?
2: So so, you know, I was just looking at uh, – you know, this parable of the 10 virgins where Jesus describes himself as being the groom in this story, in this, in this marriage. And this is the kind of position that God used in the Old Testament to describe himself. He would describe himself as the groom and Israel as the bride, right? And so he would tell these kinds of parables where he's using himself in the position of God so he was making claims about himself, but using, again, Old Testament prophecy to say, yes, this, this is who I am. I am God.
0: Yeah. I mean, both of you guys, amen to that. And I think that can just inspire a lot of confidence in the person of Jesus, you know, knowing that he has the authority. He is Emmanuel. He's God with us. And like you said, David, there's Scripture is very specific about everybody, including Jesus. And it just, when you, again, in that same John Piper sermon that you can go watch later. He talks a lot about how one of the reasons why he can really trust in Jesus is because he's encountered that same Jesus. Is that when you when you read through the Gospels, you can know the person of Jesus and then experience the person of Jesus through his word and then through the Holy Spirit. So yeah, that's really awesome. So maybe we should talk about that. Like when it comes to scripture and God's word, and of course this ties in so well with our our relationship with with Jesus Christ himself, with God and the Holy Spirit. But When it comes to God's word, for you guys, what does that do for you? You know, when you read through 2 Timothy 3 and you hear that all scripture is is breathed out by God, and then it says that it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. What has that process looked like for you recently? You know, what's an aspect of this scripture that's breathed out by God that has helped you to do any of those things or, or one way that you've seen the living word of God uh, be that for you in your life.
1: Yeah, I'll share first. And I, I was super grateful that Gary shared something from his life. And I don't know if you guys remember this, but he, he just talked about early on in his faith. He, he kind of had this assumption, this untrue idea that temptation in and of itself was, was bad. And he would walk around carrying this this guilt uh, when he would be tempted, and, and it was this it was this life besetting thing. It, it, it kind of you know kept him bound up. And when he learned, oh man, like, you know from James chapter one, uh, to be tempted is actually not to sin, right? In fact, Jesus himself was tempted. And when he when when he found that in the written word of God, um, it it helped him, it freed him up, you know, and it, and it allowed him to to have uh, this this weight lifted so that he he could walk a more righteous life, you know. Um, and so I, I loved how he shared that. And and something you know really similar for me, it, I would say in the last maybe five years, something that has come up that has just been a game changer for me is is just this this um this idea from scripture, this reality that that God invites us to draw near to Him, and this promise that when we draw near to Him, He will draw near to us, and um. So there is there's this passage that, that I love that that really I think outlines it in a beautiful way. It's Hebrews chapter four verses fourteen through sixteen, and and it just talks about Jesus um, being our great high priest. That he um, at being the Son of God and living uh, uh, this sinless life, he was tempted in every way. Um, he he gets our our weakness. He understands. He empathizes with us. Right. Um, and so he says that, you know, that Jesus, that high priest, he, his throne room is a throne room of grace. And, and in verse 16, it says, let us then with with, with, that com- you know, with that confidence, let us draw near to that throne of grace. And, and it's amazing. It says we can get what we need in, our, in these times where we're struggling, where we're, we're being tempted or we're, we're um, fearful or anxious or experiencing hardships in life we can get mercy and grace and help. And, and I just love that um, when, I, when I really understood that um, and, and how it plays out in my life, that, that every day, um, moment by moment, I can, I can enter into that throne room of grace through prayer. And I can, I can get the help that I need um, ultimately so I could be more like Jesus, so that I could, I could be more like that one who is w- without sin, who lived his whole life um, in perfect obedience to the Father, and and I've just you know seen that really grow in my life over the the, the last five years. Not only in um, the moment by moment, you know, kind of as needed uh, circumstances, but also just I think in those extended times where I I wake up early or I get out into nature or I, where I can just be alone with Jesus and just draw near to Him. Um, you know, deeper and deeper. And uh, I've experienced that in in an amazing way, just that, that grace um, and mercy to help in my time of need. And that's been a total game changer for me.
0: Amen.
2: That's great. And just along the same lines of prayer for me, that's, that's been an area where I feel like over the past six months, that was what came to my mind that I had been going through the letter of James and, I came across uh, this passage that I had probably read before, but it just struck me in a in a in a different way when I read it this time. As verse five of chapter one, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Hmm. Now, I had, of course, prayed countless times, maybe for specific situations, you know, for specific things to happen, or like for His will to be done which was great, but I had never really thought about praying specifically for wisdom. You know, that when I came to a situation where I didn't really know what was the right thing to do or what was the best thing to do, what was going to produce the greatest outcome, I started to pray specifically for God's wisdom. You know, and you think of wisdom, it's not just knowledge. It's, it's knowledge that is applied to live rightly, you, you know. And so I started to pray for wisdom, but then I started to listen and I would pray for, for wisdom for a specific situation, and then of course, if we pray for wisdom and we don't open God's word, then we're <laughs> we're not letting our, our, our faith, uh, you know, be lived out through action. But um, but then also like through godly people. So listening to so as I study through God's word, trying to listen for you know insight into a specific situ- situation or for faithful brothers uh, who I would you know be speaking with and bring up something like, hey, you know, that got this thing going on. And like specifically, there have been things since I've come here to Portland, you know, as a leader of of city team here, you know, say like there was like an issue, say like with some staff that I I wasn't really sure what to do. And so I just, you know, in in a sense of neediness and a sense of dependency on God, prayed for wisdom about what to do, then talked to some people about it. And I did probably what I would not have chosen to do, or I didn't react in the way that I probably would have beforehand, before praying and before listening to people. And had a new perspective, felt much more confident about it, and then it turned out just the outcome far better than I ever could have hoped. And it was in in a way that that only God could have orchestrated. And so that was that was a way that I feel like just recently that God's Word has really been speaking to me.
0: That's awesome, dude. That's so encouraging. I feel like it really speaks to the fact that it's it's His living Word, right? It interacts with us and engages with us, and it's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I really relate with both of what you guys just shared, but maybe just to um, talk about a different aspect, just for variety. You know, you kind of touched on it a little bit, David, when you said, um, you know, if you pray for wisdom, you don't open God's word. Like, what are we doing, you know? And there's just something about that that is so like soothing and encouraging to me. A little bit of a little bit preface here. Those of you who know me know that I'm like a little bit of a instruction manual freak. Like I love reading instruction manuals for things and just the idea of being prepared. You know, like if I'm going to buy something, I want to know every little thing about that. I want to know what to do when it goes wrong. I want to know what the warning light means, you know, and I get that most people don't do that, but there's just something about that. I just love that idea of preparedness. And for example, you know, I, Dan, you know, this. I'm in the process of buying a vehicle right now and I've been pouring over the maintenance manuals and instruction manuals for that vehicle because I want to be prepared. I want to know what every nut and bolt is. I want to know how to do every oil change and transmission fluid change and all those things for this vehicle so that I can care for it. And the word of God is in so much the same way. You know, when you read that second Timothy passage, how does it end? It says, so that we may be complete, equipped for every good work. And how do we become equipped? It's by engaging with God's word, like you said, David. And in so many ways in my life, that's been so important because I think the natural pattern for myself and probably for a lot of you too, is to be very reactionary with scripture, to wait for something to happen and then, you know, search God's word and pray to deal with that thing and then to work through it and pray through it and and yada, yada, yada. But the times in my life and the areas of my life where I'm more intentional about trying to be prepared with God's word for doing that training in righteousness, like it says, oh my gosh, like what a night and day difference as far as my, how much I'm at peace in my heart, my, my trust and faith and that God's going to, to pr- prove himself through that situation. Uh, my ability to, like, I think we mentioned last week to, to take thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ, just all of it is just so profoundly different when you're doing that, that work of, of investing time in preparing yourself with God's word. You know, especially when we're talking about things like temptation, you mentioned, you mentioned temptation with with Gary's example, man, shame on us if we're not working on it and spending time to, to have that training with God's word to deal with temptation when it comes, we know it's going to come. So how do we deal with it? We know that our trucks can get a flat tire. So shame on us if we haven't learned how to deal with it before it comes, right? So in that way, man, God's word is so encouraging on like a daily basis for me because I I feel so much less helpless than I think I would. Just, man, there's work to be doing. Even right now, when there's no emergency happening, there's productive work I can be doing that'll benefit me. And then just to touch on this, you know, I think some people, I've heard this before in talking and explaining this to people of, oh, well, that means God's word is, you know, it's just an instruction manual for your life and you follow the rules and that sounds like a lame way to live, you know? But not at all. Going back to the truck thing, it's like, man, God has given us this manual and he says, Look, you have free will. You're my you're my son. I want you to drive this truck and have fun. Do it. This is what I made you to do. You know, I want you to take care of it though. But does the does the maintenance manual and instruction manual and emergency all those things tell us how we are to experience driving that truck? Not at all. You know, God gives us freedom. We're all unique beings. But within that, he also has made us and intended for us to be good stewards of our lives, of our relationships, of our neighbors, of our bodies and all those things. So anyways,
1: for cool. all no, the That's really freaks. good. And, and have you guys ever heard this sentiment from someone like, like, wow, do you, you really live your life like based on a book? You know, have you guys ever kind of heard that, that kind of, um, I don't know, a skeptic say something like along those lines or an atheist or whatever. And, and I, I think that there's an assumption behind that, that statement or that sentiment that is, is false, is false, right? That, that the, when the Bible talks about itself and what we've all experienced, the, the, the effect that the Bible has in our lives is it's, it's not just a book. It's this living, active, you know, um, word of God that, uh, transforms us, you know, and and, and it speaks to um every you know every every issue or need that we're gonna we're gonna struggle with. there's some biblical principle that we can we can reflect on and put into practice and I thought Gary did a great job of just talking about that and and I, and I think it, it it led into this this question of like do you have a, a hunger like this this deep longing you know for the, the word of God, um, to, you know, to have that effect in your life. And, and I think there's a lot of people in our church or maybe people who are listening who, who wouldn't have that kind of a skeptical attitude towards scripture. They wouldn't blatantly say that, but maybe they're, they're acting functionally with an attitude towards scripture that is, is similar, right? They're, they're viewing it just as this book or just this, this kind of, um, dead lifeless thing that I'm just doing my Christian duty. You know, I'm checking a box like that, you know, and I thought Gary did a great job of uh, challenging us if that's where we're at, you know, just to say, man, like, how can we develop uh, this, this really deep hunger and thirst and a longing for, for God's word um, to actually change us. And so, you know, where did that land with you guys? Like, you know, how would you, how would you maybe rate yourself on, your hunger um, for for the word of God, and and maybe what are some things you've done in your life to help you uh, stoke that flame? If if you know if it's getting a little dry or whatever.
2: That's a great question, and you know I think it starts with something that you just mentioned. Like this isn't just a book, and when you really understand that we hold in our possession the revealed words of god i mean that's incredible like if we just just think about that for a moment like that is absolutely incredible that the creator of this universe of everything in it from the the you know the greatest galaxy to the smallest molecule he created all of it holds it together by his power and he gave us a book that tells us about himself and about ourselves and our relationship with him and about his great love for us. I mean, that's like a huge privilege that we get you would think. And in, in light of that, I think that probably most people would, uh, would, uh, would identify with, uh, what I would say for myself that I don't appreciate it in the way that I I don't have, if that's really true, Mm -hmm. then in general, my hunger is probably not matching the gravity of that fact, you know, and sometimes it really happens. And I would say that You know, when I'm studying something to teach, that's usually when the hunger is really there because when you're really pouring into it and you really dive deep and you really want it to be ingrained in your heart, that's when it really starts to just, mm, it just really gets you going, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And I think sometimes, you know, even like when I hear someone like Gary who faithfully teaches and they really reveal something amazing about the Bible. That that's really kind of what sparks me again. It's like if I'm just doing my own study sometimes and, you know, I, I'm getting a little, you know, stagnant, then you hear someone in their passion for it, and then it really sparks like, wow, oh yeah. <laughs> now I remember how amazing this is that we get to study the word of God.
1: I love that.
0: Yeah, I love that too. Um, and yeah, you know, for me, of course, we all have growth to deal with this. I tend to be kind of like you just explained a little bit. I tend to be really good about like cherishing and diving into the portions of scripture that kind of fit whatever I'm going through at that time, you know, which is not the best. You know, say I'm dealing with my prayer life. I'll really dive in deep with, with prayer and closeness with God. I'm dealing with temptation, then temptation stuff. I'm dealing with, um, you know, faithfulness, whatever it is. Uh, but again, it's kind of a more reactionary way to live life, you know. And over the last six months or so, I've been just thinking about this idea that, Or just this truth that, yeah, of course, that is a big reason why God does give us his word and his spirit is to help us through things. The spirit helps us. But at the same time, it's like, man, like you said, if this is true about scripture, that this is breathed out by God for the benefit of our lives, then absolutely. Like the number of YouTube videos I've watched in the last week about the truck I'm buying versus... The amount of scripture that I've poured into my heart is like night and day and it's stupid, you know? And I think part of it kind of comes down to, like you said, Dan, sometimes we just get in this, this, this false way of thinking of, yeah, I don't need to worry about that right now, you know, or maybe there's a truth about scripture that's just uncomfortable for us to confront. So we don't want to confront it. You know, maybe it's dealing with some of our own faults we need to work on, whatever it is. But the reality is that all of scripture, every single word in that book is true for all people in all seasons of life, you know, and we don't always think of it that way, but that's the reality is that all of scripture applies to all of us always. And so with that in mind, yeah, no, I definitely need to step it up as far as just the holistic, holistic appreciation and hunger for like I would with my truck, understanding all, all pieces of scripture so that I'm equipped for good work when the time comes.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah. So I, some, something happened, something new for me happened this year, this last year, um, when we were kind of all in our shelter in place, COVID era of lockdown. And I, I just felt like the Lord was, was really challenging me to, um, to go through the whole entire Bible in like a, uh, kind of like a, like a blitz, you know, like a, um, to basically get, get kind of the, the whole story, you know, the whole thread of scripture. Um, and so I signed up for this plan to read the entire Bible in 60 days. Um, and it was, and it was wild. I mean, it ended up being like, you know, sometimes up to like 20 chapters a day. Um, and I figured, man, when else am I going to have like the freedom in my schedule that I have right now? You know, there's, there's a lot less ministry activities, a lot less social activities, Um, you know, we're all just kind of, you know, hunkered down. And so I I said, let's go for it. And, and I, man, there were certain parts of the Bible that shamefully, I mean, you know, I've been walking with Jesus for a lot of years. I'm a pastor for crying out loud. There were parts of scripture that I had not ever read. Um, And so to be able to to do the whole thing, and I listened to a lot of it on audio um, as well. And so kind of just throughout the day, you know, I'd be like, okay, what chapter am I on? Let's crank that thing on. And And I ended up listening to a lot less podcasts. I ended up, uh, you know, watching a lot less TV and um, listening to a lot less music, you know, which I think was good for a season. Um, And I think one of the things that I learned from that whole process, it really pertains to this this issue of like hunger and thirst, because I don't know if you guys ever get like this, but I think it's easy to get into a rut where we, we kind of gravitate towards the same handful of passages. You know, just some thing, things that we kind of are familiar with or that we know, and I think we can get into a rut that way. Um, man, the, the whole, all of Scripture, I mean, what is, you know, what does Paul write to Timothy? Like, all of Scripture is, is God-breathed and profitable for these, these things that we're talking about. And so just... If, if you're listening and you're kind of feeling like oh, maybe in a little bit of a rut, um, maybe, maybe there, you need to challenge yourself with going through, I think having a plan of like a Bible reading plan or with a, with a buddy or a group just say, Hey, let's read through this, this one particular scripture or whatever, and, and go to some places that you haven't gone to in a while, or maybe that you haven't gone to ever and just see what, how God might want to use that in, in your life. You know, train you in righteousness. Um, I think that that's really powerful. And then, just kind of connected to that thing, you know, um, I think we've we've talked a lot about how the Word of God is is amazing and it's powerful and it and it's living and active and it's un, and God in all of His nature, He's unsearchable in the sense that we can never get to the bottom of Him. We talked about that last week, right? And so, if we're bored in any way with our relationship with God, as we commune with him through scripture or through prayer or, you know, these different times of solitude, if we're bored at all in that, it's not God's problem. He's not boring. God's word is not boring. We're boring. (laughs) We're the problem. And so sometimes, man, you got to mix it up. Like maybe, maybe, um, I mean, I don't know, maybe this is not a perfect analogy, but man, if, if, if Emily and I, you know, went out, for a date, you know, on Wednesday night, the same time, the same place, did the same thing week after week after week. Um, you know, I think it'd be easy for us to get into a rut. And so just understanding that God and his word is infinite and, and, and we can, we can get something fresh and new every time we go to him through his word. And so maybe mix up the place you go or, or the, the, the style that you use. I mean, we talked in our connect group about journaling. I don't know, how many people um, read the Word of God with it with a journal next to it, so that they can write things down and they can pray Scripture back to God, um, and they can um, you know just connect that way. Uh, may, maybe it, it's you got to throw your headphones on and, and and go for a walk and get out in creation and like hear the Word of God read to you. You know, may, maybe you need someone in your life to like David said to encourage you. Listen to a sermon. You know, be in a group of people. Study something together. You know. I think, I think a lot of times we lose our hunger because we're just in a rut. Do you get what I'm saying, guys?
0: Hundred percent. You. Know, this reminds me of you know Dan. You and I were going through screw tape letters with some of the other staff, and if you don't know what that is, that's um, C.S. Lewis wrote it. It's a book, a theoretical book of demons talking to demons about how to tempt humans and whatnot. And in that, they talk a lot about how, or C.S. Lewis talks about his uh, his observations about how. He thinks that a lot of times Satan's influences, they're not these huge moments of destroying and corrupting our hearts. But a lot of times they're just keeping us distracted. They're just keeping our focus off the right thing. And I think a lot of the times when it comes to like you're saying, Dan, with reading scripture, it's that same thing. Like we can be in our same quiet place and home and have nothing, no media on or whatever and open the word of God. But still like our attitude or our heart can just be distracted from the real thing, you know? So yeah, I think what you just said of like just changing it up, maybe even if it's not just for creativity, but just to to help yourself not be distracted in that way, to to take minutia out of the equation and take a stance like, man, I'm here to engage with the Word of God, and I'll do whatever it takes to to not be distracted in that process.
2: Yeah, that's great. And I think just along those lines, what's so cool about the Bible is that it's so diverse in the styles of writing that are included. I mean, you got historical accounts, you've got narrative, you've got poetry, you know, all these different things. So you can go to all these different places or like, you know, just some wisdom literature, like Proverbs, if you just, you know, some people do like a proverb a day or something like that, you know, there's, there's such diversity in the Bible that, that you shouldn't ever feel like you have to be bored with it, you know, as if, you know, just be having the word of God shouldn't, you know, mm-hmm. be, be, uh, exciting enough, but, but God in his, in his kindness has given such a diversity and such a, a cool mixture of different styles within the Bible. And, you know, I mentioned before about, you know, when I go to teach that that's, you know, when I get really fired up, I know some people might say, well, I'm not, you know, a Bible teacher. I'm not gifted to teach. That's not my thing. But just think about having that perspective, even if you're not even going to teach it, just think about it. Well, if I was going to teach this to somebody, what would I want them to know about this? What are mm-hmm. the questions that I would ask as you know, as someone who's listening, you know, like, Oh, what does this mean? Or what, what, what is, what does this reference to oil mean? Like, what are the, you know, just if you investigate kind of those things and you, and you dive deep in those things with the intention of, if I was going to tell someone on the street, what does this mean? Then maybe that'll help you just to kind of dive deeper in those ways.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And to your point, the, the, the deeper we dive into it, the more beauty we see and the more, the more exciting it, it becomes. And I think that that's really cool. And, and, and maybe, maybe, uh, there's people listening who are like, yeah, I'm definitely not going to like stand up in front of a group or, or, you know, do an online Bible study or whatever and, and teach these things. But, but don't you feel like we all have uh, a call in our lives to like explain the Bible to, to, to people, you know, to our kids, um, to uh, people that we're witnessing to, um, you know, to, to, to share something. Maybe you're not a leader of a, of a group, a BBC group, but but are you in a VBC group? You know, could you, could you explain something to In fact, that was a challenge I gave to my connect group, uh, that, and if you guys are listening, uh, I didn't forget. So next, next Sunday, they're supposed to come back with some way that they engage with the word of God, the written word of God this week, and, and basically explain to us what effect, uh, it had on them this week. And so, uh, Man, I think it's a great exercise, an intellectual like place to get, David, that you're challenging us with. Um, and and just expect that God is gonna bring someone into your life that you can share it with.
0: Yeah. And then even just like on a psychology level of how our brains work, we all know this. If you can't teach something, you probably don't know it. You know, I think for a lot of things we can you know, crash course, the details just to get through something. But if we can't teach it to someone else, then we really don't know the depths of it. And I think that, like you said, David, it's that level of understanding that we can really appreciate and and engage with some of the deeper truths uh, in these different passages. So absolutely. And then, you know, one last thing is maybe uh, mix it up in another way rather than just location, mix it up with how you're engaging with God's word. You know, not all of it is going to be through direct reading. Maybe you're going to listen to some sermons. You know, maybe you're going to check out some Christian poetry or Christian worship or listen to the Behold podcast. Of course, none of these can replace that quiet time of scripture, but they're all just additional ways for you to engage with and reflect on and renew your mind through and worship God through and all those things. And I definitely know that I need those things in my life. You know, I I, I need to be listening to, to Christian podcasts or sermons or worshiping the music or doing this kind of stuff. And it really helps me to like we were saying, not get stale in that way.
1: Yeah, it's good.
0: If now,
2: you want a cool way to listen to uh, some narrated Bible, Street Lights Bible. Dude, I don't know if you guys have heard of that,
1: fire! I so love fire. that,
2: dude. Yeah, it's like Bible narrated over hip hop beats. I mean, come on,
1: it's pretty awesome. Yeah, and uh, even if you don't like hip hop, I think I think there's there's something really cool about you know just hearing it with that meter. And and just hearing it, there's there's a lot of passion in that Streetlights Bible project stuff. So maybe we'll link that in the show notes. And um and I, I think music is a powerful way too, like to yes. um I don't know if you guys ever uh, just either put on worship music while you're reading the Bible. I know some people don't have the brains for that. I know some people like can't like multitask in that way, but but what if you just like put on some worship music and just praise Jesus? Before you get into your work you know have you guys ever done that that can be so so powerful um, you know God God designed us to to be to, to respond emotionally to music and it's um, it, it's a it's a great way to um, access kind of um, the inner parts of our of our person and then when we put the truth in there it can really um, a steam can go down deep
0: amen well we get it guys. You're not going to have any time this week to read the Bible if we don't stop this podcast. So we'll, (laughs) we'll we'll wrap it up here. Um, But man, we hope that you, you've through our own experiences and just through the maps analogy and go check out that John Piper sermon that we're going to link and check out streetlights, all these things. We hope that just that aspect of God's word is coming through, that it is alive. It engages with us. It is there for your daily use and delight and joy and all those good things. So and maybe this week, if you are in that spot or your ratio of YouTube to scripture is off like me this last week, then this is, here's a good charge for you. Uh, fix it, fix that ratio, go and engage with God's word. And yeah, we're excited to hear from you guys as we see you on Sundays or you text us, whatever it is, uh, how God's using that in your life, in the life of your family in relationships and relationships and all those good things again we're always so grateful that you guys choose to spend this time with us David we're so grateful that you're tuning in all the way from Portland to be with us we love you guys we're praying for y'all we look forward to this Sunday and the next week bye Bye. thank you for listening be sure to subscribe for future episodes of Behold if you would like more information about Valley Bible Church or if you'd like resources from this episode go ahead and check out vbc.online forward slash behold. Catch you guys next week.